What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and you are watching Gratitude Unfiltered Remix. Today, we have an awesome guest you do not want to miss, Dr. Edward Rankin. Uh, you guys, I've been following him on Twitter for a while, and I've become quite the fan. So you guys are going to be in for a treat today. This is going to be an awesome conversation. And uh, just really, really appreciate you all being here. So if you're watching on social media, you know the drill. Please share, like, subscribe, all that stuff. But from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone supporting the LiveMoto Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Um, our The growth has been amazing, and I just cannot thank you enough uh, for supporting our network because this network is allowing us to bypass censors and not have to worry about speaking truth. So without further ado, uh, we're going to get this started. But again, thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, and also thank you for supporting our book. Um, some really cool information came out today. We found 60 categories, and uh, wow, I'm just <laughs> blown away. So thank you for your support. Thank you for buying our book, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Gratitude Unfiltered Remixed. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and I am pumped about our interview today. Thank you all for being here. This is going to be fun. Um, I, you know, and here, like every other interview, I don't do a lot of back research. I just trust my, whether it's the spirit or my gut or both, I don't know. I just trust. And when I watch people, I just felt this really strong desire uh, to reach out to our next guest and interview him because. I'm, I'm watching his treats, not a, his tweets on Twitter, of all things. Um, and and I one, I see somebody that is speaking truth. And for me, that's exciting. Anyone that uses their platform to speak truth is I'm going to be a fan of. But and I thought that he, our guest would offer a lot of value for you all. And that and I just curious and I want to get to know him. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Dr. Ed Rankin. What's up, sir? How you doing? I'm doing great, Joshua. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that you're here and uh, glad it all worked out after all. <laughs> I was yeah. a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, me too. We, um, you know, my my assistant does a great job. Sometimes I was traveling a little bit last week when we were trying to put this together. And uh, so I think she wasn't didn't fully understand the purpose of our, our meeting today. So 
she had, me set, she had me set up on a separate platform over there waiting for you to dial in. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, when I saw the Zoom meeting, I was like, surely he's not going to go to that. But that's okay. First things first, before we get started, um, what are you grateful for today? You know, um, I'm very grateful for, um, I, I've seen some really positive developments uh, in um, for the election yesterday. I think I was, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised uh, with the turnout. Uh, you know, it looks like we're, that the, uh, the people of New Jersey are going to have their gubernatorial election stolen, but you know, perhaps uh, they'll be able to um, root, root that out. But, you know, I'm very pleased with all around the country, you know, this morning, uh, everywhere, city councils, local elections, conservative people were elected and, you know, God-fearing people were elected all around the country. And so that's that. Now, for the audience that's not familiar, I mean, you have a pretty massive following, but what like tell everybody about who you are and what you do, even though I hate that question, what do you do? But just to share with the audience a little bit where this will help give a little bit of uh, direction as to far where as, as to where some of your views come from and what you're about. So if you don't mind sharing, that would be great. Sure. Uh, well, professionally, I'm, I'm a recovering entrepreneur. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 um, after spending several years in corporate America, I ventured out on my own and, and created a, a little company and a one-room executive suite office with no windows and a couple of laptop computers as our technology and an inkjet printer. And um, and about six years later, I had 70 people working with me and um, we turned that into a, a nice little business. And I ran that for 10 years and then sold it and then um, decided that uh, I kind of looked at the knowledgeable thought leaders in the world that I operated in about what might be a good place for me to kind of launch a second career. And so I had a lot of encouragement of uh, people uh, to get into succession management, leadership development and executive coaching. So um, most of my time now is spent uh, coaching executives uh, uh, for large corporations and their teams. So with all of that, and, and I'm sure you work with every walk of life as far as Democrat, Republican, and so forth, correct? Yes, that's correct, yeah. So taking the stands that you're taking, do you not fear any retribution or any like negative feedback or hurting your business? Do you fear that at all? Well, um, I mean, I think about it, but I think that for me, quite honestly, well, look, I, most of the work I do with people, executives, is helping them to uh, increase their level of self-awareness and and let raising their consciousness really about how they're operating in in day to day and you know I've, I've spent a lot of time a lot of energy personal energy and time working on myself that way and you know finding the truth for myself and so i you know quite honestly and i think we're at a point and and not just this country but you know the evolution of the world where we can't afford to be silent right now wow. and and so um, you know, I think that um, I, I believe my clients understand that I stand for truth and honesty and candor and in my interactions with them. That's the way I behave. And that's what we talk about. And so for me um, to disengage from that um, in, in any way, particularly now with these important issues that we're struggling with in terms of personal freedom, liberty, you know, the very existence of the United States as a as a as a as a country 
um, that we can't, none of us can afford to be silent now. No, we can't. Now, and I, I, I've made the decision a few years ago, of course, my, the truth that I speak in the, 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 the area that I tend to focus on is a little bit different. Um, but that said, seeing what's happening and like seeing for, I mean, my God, I shared this yesterday on an interview, but I was, uh, I remember leaving the theater watching the Terminator when I was seven and, and then watching the lawnmower man, which was in 1992 and those two films leaving there with this feeling like just so heavy on me, like this is where things are going. And I always thought I was insane because you know, you, and I started to see these things kind of line up around the world and I've never been one to trust the news, but I do know enough to go to websites like the WHO and the United Nations website to read about Agenda 2030 and Agenda 21 and, and all. So I started like piecing these things together. And then right before COVID hit, I remember seeing something that just blew me away that made me go, go watch that video again. And it was Event 201. Yeah. And nonetheless, I was like, oh my God, this is really going to happen. And of course, the singularity and all of those things, the fourth industrial evolution and, and the great reset, like all of that hadn't really been, no, no one was discussing it, but I thought, oh my God, this is what this is like, this is really going to happen. Yeah. And then sure enough, yeah, like, I don't know, not everybody can see it yet. Right. But it's really, really close. Like, yes, this is not something that we stop. So how do we make it work for us instead of against us well you know in the um, movie it's a bug's life you know there's a scene in there where the grasshopper is talking to his um, minions and they're they're laughing and joking about the ants and um that and, and one of his minions says well they're just little ants they can't do anything and you know he yells at them and says if one ant stands up they'll all stand up and i think that um I think that's what, you know, when I speak about consciousness and awareness, I think that as people become more conscious and aware of where we are, then, um, and that's another reason why I'm really not afraid, Joshua, because I think that at some point, you know, we'll be in the majority if we're not already. Um, I think it's, you know, things are becoming so obvious to people that even some of the most, um, uh, some of the some of the staunchest supporters of the government, or, or uh, you know, are starting to question things. And I think you just look at the results of yesterday's election. There's another indication that you know people broadly, more broadly around the country, at, at least. And look at what's going on in Europe. You don't see it in the media, but there are huge protests every day against vaccine passports, mandatory vaccinations. You're talking tens of thousands, if not larger numbers of people and all of sure them like a lot more than that correct and so you know i think that i feel like there's this awakening i'm hopeful that there's an awakening <laughs> place globally and that 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 will I, I think look who knows the number of people who are really in charge of things but let's say it's three or four hundred i've heard the number like 300 families um if you go back you know you alluded to some of the some of the they, these people tell you what they plan. I mean, it's in their documents. If you go to the UN and the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum and read Klaus Schwab's book, Damn I mean, it's very obvious. 
they, they kind of like to brag about what they're planning. So, you know, I think if people, if there's a large enough awakening, people become aware of these things. And I think we can stop this. I, um, I mean, we're, we're at a, we're at a precipice in, in the human evolution where if we stop this, I mean, there, there, there's enormous opportunity for humanity if people will come together. I mean, so many things have been done to us by these people who have run the world for a thousand years, and they have divided people on race and gender and all sorts of issues, ethnicity, and, and all these false divisions. And if we can, if people wake up enough to see what's happened to them, then, you know, we humanity to come together. We have an incredibly uh, beautiful future. You know, you know, another reason why I speak up, Josh, was I'm a grandfather. Hmm. I have, I'm sorry. No, no, please. These little girls will be four in January. They're 12. Oh, Oh, twins? And I, and I worry about the world that they're moving into. I'm terribly concerned. Oh, my gosh, today they're going to start injecting children with these vaccines. It's unproven, untested. The, the science shows us that these things are very dangerous and have enormous potential to harm people. And it's happening. So I, that's why I, I can't, I don't know, I, I can't stand by and not do anything. You know the adage, the best way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Mm. And so, you know, I think we all have to do whatever we can in whatever way we can to try to reverse what's happening. Um, I think we've got to stop it. We've Not, not just stop it, we've got to reverse it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. And when you, you took pause to think about your, your, your grandchildren, I have a five and six year old stepdaughter who are, I love like my own. And I mean, I, the things that I think about now, it was one thing when I was by myself, it, I didn't, it, I didn't care. And as God has worked on my heart and I've healed more and learned to love and including love myself and all of those things. Right. That's the most important right there. It, it is. Cause none of the other stuff happens without that. That's correct. Yeah. But she like, when I see them, and I think about what's coming, it does break my heart. It does make me emotional. It does make me fighting mad. And, and at the same time, it's like, I want them to still be kids. Yes. Like I know all of the evils in the world and we live in a good neighborhood and it's safe. And we left downtown Minneapolis because ironically, the we saw all the riots. We were right there for all of them. But it was after the trial that everything really got scary. It wasn't scary before. It was scary after the trial of the George Floyd officers. And we moved out of there. But, like, I don't. I want to shelter and protect them. And I want to protect them from the evils that are out there. And protect them from even the dangers of technology. And here it is. I'm a media guy. I'm all for the future of media. I love, I love that. I love what technology brings. Yeah, but too. I also know that it's going to be bringing something way more sinister and evil along with it. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do as a father of, you know, because, you know, like when we were kids and you're a little just a couple years older than me, just a couple. Mm -hmm. But I was still we were at the age where you could punch somebody in the face and be their friend the next day. 
Right. We don't have those kind of options now. Right. Right. So when you say that we can stop it, do you really believe that we can stop the advancement? And do we really want to stop the advancement of technology as a majority? Well, when I'm thinking, when I'm, when I'm thinking of stopping, I'm thinking about the the, the agenda, the political, okay. the, the agenda, like that, the Schwab, the Schwab's agenda, and yeah, Gates exactly. Agenda. You, you yeah. want nothing, and you'll be happy. Destruction of private property, you know, basically destruction of humanity, destruction of choice. Um, Everything and, that God granted us, in other words. Exactly. Well, I think God's testing us. I think this is a test of God. You know, nor was conspiracy theorist until it started to rain. My favorite meme. Yeah. And, and so. <laughs> go ahead. Well, no, I, I, I think that um, I think God's testing us. You know, this is our, you know, we, this is our, 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 our big test. And I think maybe in some ways the earth and, and, and we have allowed things to deteriorate to the point where, you know, it's it's it maybe maybe God's preparing for a cleansing. I mean, maybe we need to be cleansed. I don't know. I mean, you know, I I. I um, I think that um, there's definitely a spiritual war underway. I, I believe that the people that are pulling the strings, um, they're, they're, they are led by a God of this world. And, and I believe that um, uh, I think that they're, they're, there's a lot of occultism taking place now. I mean, the, the, the vaccination of these children with this, that's, that's child sacrifice. God, we are we are more aligned than I thought. Like you're like the things that you see, because so to me, so forgive me for assuming here, but I'm trying to read under the lines. Are you a believer? Oh yeah. Oh, well, praise Jesus. All right, cool. Yeah. So let me ask you then. So since now I know that we're talking the exact same language, <laughs> all this stuff is biblical. Yeah, it Daniel's is. prophecy about merging mm. man. And uh, I'm sorry, iron and clay is about man and machine, right? Yes. Like, it's all there, isn't it? Um, so well, I, you know, forgive me for being excited. Well, I'm no, really excited God, to see prophecy unfold. Sometimes I think um, whether, whether they believe the biblical prophecies or not, the people who are running things are certainly driving things in that direction. And, you know, I've heard discussions and, and speculation that, you know, these people, some of these folks are, you know, they, 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 um, um, they, they, they participate in um, hallucin they use hallucinogenics and they think they're talking to interdimensional uh, demons that are telling them to do these things. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I, I, so you know, whether we believe that or not, I don't know. I think they believe some of these things. And these definitely, these people, there's definitely, these people are definitely evil. You know, <laughs> and, and a lot of my research, my dissertation, I stumbled across, and I have a lot of psychology and, and, and a lot of graduate study of psychology in my, in my background. And definitely we know that psychopaths are overrepresented in government leadership roles and in business leadership roles. We also know that the brains of psychopaths are physically, literally, they differ from the majority of most human beings. So you could hypothesize that some of the folks who are running things are not quite fully human. They don't have normal human empathy. We do know that. And so I think they probably look at us like we look at cattle. 
You know, we're not, yeah, they, I don't think they respect us. They don't have empathy for us. That's the only way they could do these things. How else could someone do these things to other human beings? And so I think that, I think that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who are psychopathic. They believe they are being uh, led by interdimensional spirits, whether they are or not. I think they believe that. And so um, I do know, I know people who have taken ayahuasca and have done DMT. And they've told me, one guy joked with me, he said, well, if you ever do it, when the aliens come for you, don't resist. So, I mean, if these people are participating in these rituals and doing these things and they feel like they're getting direction from interdimensional beings, which I think some of them probably are they're there, this is what we're dealing with. So, uh, yeah. I mean, so are you re you're referencing shape shifting lizard people, essentially, right? Or what the conspiracy world calls shape shifting right. lizard people? Right. Yeah, so there's well, a there, I mean, there's references to them in the Bible, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm saying it's not real because it, right, right. Ha right. Half the stuff that I've learned that is true this year, I like it's it's weirder than that. So at this point, like that could be the truth. Now they have a law. So if that same that that same belief system that says there could be reptilians actually running the world, mm -hmm. and they're from these intergalactic, you know, other places that have been inhabited by these life forms they have to follow a and it's something it's a galactic federation code or something like that where they actually have to tell you it's their law they have to tell you that it's evil because what they are doing is playing a role in a game and that's how it's looked at it's kind of like the squid game it's just, but more we stranger and bigger and more intergalactic than that but they they believe because they're from this bloodline that they're playing a game that this is the character that they're playing and they <laughs> this is the character that they're playing what was the other thing and so but they also have to tell us the evil ahead of time just to make it somewhat fair so we have the power of choice right if we don't resist then they assume that we're complicit yes that's exactly right. right yeah well i'm let me just be clear i'm not saying that they're intergalactic spiritual people out there. <laughs> But what I do believe is it's probable that some of these people, they think there are, and they feel like they, that's, like I said, I don't think these people, they're, they're borderline insane. Seriously. They're oh. not, they don't have normal human, psychopaths do not have normal human empathy. And, and, and so that's how they do these things. They are very self-centered and selfish and they, and I mean, we know this is the research from around psycho in abnormal psychology. And we do know their brains are structured differently. They have a, a, most of them have a larger limbic area in the brain, which is what we would call the reptilian brain, right? <laughs> and seriously, in their prefrontal cortex, which is where the administrative function of our brains is where we do our higher order is not as well developed. So, that's how they, I mean, they literally don't feel pain and empathy for us when they do these things to us. I want to ask you something because you're talking about this. And then I noticed there's something, um, 
like I that I had read that you had wrote, and it, so it's making me feel. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it's leading me to feel like I can ask you this question. You can ask me anything. <laughs> I so are you familiar with disassociative identity disorder? Yes, a, a slightly. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, and you may not be able to answer the question. So, when you were talking about not having empathy and being a psychopath, sociopath, I was all of those things. Yeah. I I I mean our book and I'm not trying to plug. You should. <laughs> but it's I mean it's until I met Jesus my like I I was a demon and I I, I everything you were saying about them is one things I've been accused of but I know that about myself. Right. I know I was that way and obviously I don't think I was born that way but I had my traumas I had all of that stuff. And I'm in the process of my healing journey now. I haven't completely healed all of my altars. I'm getting close. I've I've healed enough that God has blessed me with an amazing family. And, you know, slowly my life has been completely rehabilitated. Right. But let me ask you something from your experience, because I do you you have quite a bit of knowledge about the brain. And from what I've gathered, just from seeing some of your posts, what you've talked about today, do you believe these fragmented personalities? like DID, like the sociopath, like the narcissist, do you believe that their brain can be healed so they can feel empathy? Yes, yes, because we know that we there's this there's something called neuroplasticity. You know, it was once believed that the brain was fully developed. And actually, people used to say, you know, when you're born, you have all the brain cells you're going to have. And as you get older, you're going to die and your brain shrinks and all that and you lose. Yeah. No, what we know now is actually, this is one of the reasons why what I do works. Joshua, because coaching, what when when I'm coaching someone, they're making decisions. We're basically doing something called um, it's a uh, it, it's it's when you create awareness, and you 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 it's called it uh, it's cognitive behavioral adjustment. Basically, when you think about something, you're basically rewiring your brain, so you can create new connections among the neurons. And so, yes, it's very possible. For someone who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, was uh, sideways or, or or living, you know, in, in, a, in a because when you create new habits, you're literally building new connections in the brain, and so things, so your new behavior becomes replaces the old habit. That makes sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jesus went in the desert for forty days and forty nights, right? You know, there's an old um, uh, tale, a Native American legend. And it describes, they describe an eagle flies to the mountaintop and he plucks all his feathers off. And 40 days later, he comes back because he's a new bird. So this, this is, con in many cultures, there's this discussion about, and, 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 uh, his, you know, lore about people changing. And it, in the 40 days seems to come up again and again. And so, um, and, and support for this idea that, that to create a new habit takes about 40 days. So coaching, what we do is, is individual. Uh, it's an individual learning process. I, I say I've written some papers called it transformative learning because I've seen people transform through coaching process. I've seen people literally change almost overnight when they have an epiphany. They have a, a, a realization. Yes. And you probably had some of those. Where, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, you might say God. It was a God thing. You know, there you opened up some 
these things, people, spiritual leaders know this stuff. You know, and, and um, meditation. Meditation works because it creates a space for new stuff to come in. You create a space between the thoughts. Prayer is a form of meditation. Right. Prayer is quieting the mind and clearing things. So you have this connection. Is it with it's with God or the universe? You know, wherever you whatever you say, but there's a, an opportunity for the brain, the mind. The brain and the mind are two different things, by the way. You Wait. know, the brain is the physical container. The mind is not a physical thing. It is what? Yeah, the mind. We're connected. We're there's spiritual connection with God. You know, you know about the pineal gland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is this is the chakra. It's the seventh chakra. I mean, this is this stuff. You know, this and most of the religious traditions have some form of meditation. They have some form of, and it's so that the God, the spirit of God, the, the energy, the spirit of the universe can enter. And so, you know. These people, they they have they have they have put fluoride in our water, which congests the pineal yeah. gland, right? They they have they they in flour and things. They've taken iodine, the good um, substance. You know when iodine is present, IQs increase significantly, and it, IQ is not always about. It's not all about academic intelligence, right? IQ is about many things emotional intelligence being able to connect with the world being able to connect with other human beings being able to understand how we're having this discussion right and and you listening to me in a deeply what deep way and me listening to you and us connecting that's the mind at work it's not the brain the brain is the container that holds the mind <laughs> I, I i how did i not even know this or even think about that. I've you never know, put that you know, together in my life. I, I, I didn't know, and I'm, I'll be 65 in January, and a lot of this stuff I've learned in the last five years, you know, 10 years. A friend of mine told me, he said, you know, he was my age, one of my college buddies the other day, he said, you know, my dad used to tell me, if you get, you make it to 60, this is a rural North Carolina boy. We're both, yeah. we're all rural North Carolina boys, right? The road I grew up on wasn't paved till I went to college. One of my uncles was a dairy farmer. My great uncle was a tobacco farmer. I worked in the fields in the summertime. But my friend said, he said, yeah, my dad used to tell me, if you make it to 65, you'll see stupid every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's, I mean, something. Really freaking yeah, what funny. I have noticed, you know, my mother celebrated her 88th birthday Friday. And my wife and I went to North Carolina to share the time with my mom and to celebrate her birthday. And, you know, I was just, I was so proud of my mother. And, and, and my father was killed in a car wreck when I was 11 years old. And my mother raised three boys on her own. I was 11, eight and had three. We had, a, she had 11, eight and three year old boys. She was a school teacher. We didn't have any money, but she dedicated her life to raising her kids. I mean, this is the example. And you're That's inspiring, man. You'll never meet a more godly person than my mom, and, and a kinder person, and a more. Say that about mine. <laughs> yeah, well, right here, but go ahead. Well, but she, you know, I I have watched her as she's gotten older, and you know, and I told her, I tell her this a lot. I said, you know, I have watched you continue to grow your whole life. You know, you know, when I was twenty or thirty, I thought, you know, well, I'm grown, I'm done, right? You know. And then, but I think, you know, as I, my mother's been an inspiration to me, and, and I think part of, you know, I went back for my doctorate when I was 50 something years old. Wow. But, you know, I think that um, 
and that was another thing in you know, our family education was always you know highly of value but um but my mom I've, I've watched her grow and change as she's gotten older so it never ends you know that's that's cool i'm i'm a mama's boy i'm a four yeah, oh, yeah. mama's um, boy yeah my, my, my father unfortunately you know he didn't make it past 39 you know i i think about him a lot he was a good man uh but uh you know thank god that uh you know we i had the mother that i did yeah, I I believe me, I can say the same about my mother. Um, what would you tell your forty-year-old self? Um, don't take anything for granted. Um, and you know, this is something I learned from my father's death, and I'm glad. You know, in a way, my father's death had this effect on me. Hmm. When I was twelve, it was probably uh, probably on the anniversary of my father's death. I was having a discussion. I remember it. My mother tells me she does not, but. She said to me, she said, you know, because they were married for 13 years. She said, all the years that I spent with your dad, I only have one regret. And is that we didn't spend enough time enjoying what we had and living in the moment. And she said, you know, we spent so much of our time, you know, raising you kids and planning for the future and talking about what we're going to do when we retired and all that. My dad had big plans, things that he wanted to do, you know, later. And. Um, and I remember her saying that and it went through me like a bolt of lightning. And I remember thinking, boy, it was like the realization that there is no promise of tomorrow, you know? So, you know, I've taken some chances. I've made lots of mistakes. I've done some things that I'm not quite proud of in my lifetime because of that. But, um, you know, I think, um, it's, I've, it's been a big, it's been, um, I think I'm, I'm on a, on a straighter path now, you know, in terms of, you know, how I, what I, what I try, what I'll attempt. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, I think those things, you know, you know, don't certainly, you know, don't. Uh, oh, I think one thing is really interesting because, you know, by the time when I was 40, this back to your question, when I speak to me at 40, um, uh, I had some success. I started this company and, you know, it was pretty successful. And, and we were recognized for a lot of things and achievements. And it was really heady for me. You know, the kid who grew up on an unpaved road in rural North Carolina, a single mother was a school teacher. Being in Dallas and being, you know, articles being written about me in the Dallas Business Journal and being on television and, you know, being speaking at conferences and doing all this stuff. And I would be invited to participate in, you know, leadership roles and nonprofits and things like that. And I took it all. I did it all because I didn't realize what I was doing, but I had put my life on a schedule that was like, you're going to die at 39 like your dad. Right. And it took it took a psychiatrist to look at me when I was. I, it was in therapy and he looked at me one day and I was talking about it. he said, you know, your volunteer schedule is more demanding than most people's work schedules. He said. I think you've outlived your dad. And it, as I thought, I had no idea that I had been doing that. You know? So I think to tell my 40 year old self, you know, you might have another 25, 30 years, or maybe you don't have to kill yourself. But, you know. Wow. That that's good. So this is another thing that I, I can I, can, I align with you with or I can relate for me after being homeless. Um, I had an opportunity to go film at Fox business and uh, they, you know how you can, those shows that you buy on Saturday or the weekend or when there's not a scheduled program, it was one of those. 
and I had the opportunity to go film. It was an amazing experience. The first time ever doing TV. And I was humbled to be there because literally I just got done being homeless. But the company that, uh, that, that with the production company I knew, and they thought they wanted to give me an opportunity. It's like, Hey, this is great. I remember going, I didn't even have the money to go to New York, but I we found, found a way to make it work. All of these things. I'm like, this went, it went so well. They offered me my own show and I thought, Oh my God, I've made it done being homeless. I've made it. Everyone's going to know who I am because now I've been on TV and blah, blah, blah. Well, long story short, none of it happened. It didn't air. There was problems. It ended up airing a couple years later. But, you know, at, in that moment, oh, my God, it all fell through. Well, I went to, I got invited to the Rock Church to hear T.D. Jakes promote his book, Soar, uh, Miles McPherson's church. It's, and I heard T.D. Jakes say two things that forever changed my life. The blessing is in the breaking, wrecked me. And then the second thing was to focus on the things you do have and not what you don't. Yeah. And it, it set the course for my life forever because I, my whole life, all I ever wanted to do was have a talk show. All I ever wanted to do was I, I grew up listening to Oprah, Don Imus, Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony. I, I was a radio geek. I loved it. It, 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 heard all of the you know my dad would tear me tell me stories about the bands they toured with and the backseat of the car and i was always i knew i couldn't play an instrument so i was fascinated with the the disc jockey anyway all this stuff i wanted to do that it's all i ever wanted to do but i worked in healthcare, and that's what i knew and then i had a skincare line but when i heard td jake say that all of a sudden i quit focusing on the fact that i didn't have mics i didn't have a camera I didn't have a producer, didn't have a director, didn't have a budget. I didn't have any of those things. I quit focusing on that, quit saying, well, when I get the money, I'll do yeah. this. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was able to look at my phone, and I don't have my phone on me, so my book, my phone, and go, wait a second. I've got a camera. i got free Wi-Fi in downtown San Diego. I can do this show with my phone. And it changed the course of my life forever. Not just because of this broadcast, but because of all the other doors that it opened, that stepped in faith. So there's something really powerful. And the reason I said all of that is to say this. There's something really powerful with just looking at what you have and being grateful for it and appreciating it and, and, and using it every way possible. God seems to like that a lot because then it gives you more. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, and I, you know, I think one of the things I've noticed lately with, uh, and my wife and I talk about this quite often, is that, you know, I feel the presence of God in my life all, almost all the time now, and I think it's because it's it's because I am, I've opened myself up to that, and um, I think that, um, uh, and there's all these things that happen, you know, and it goes back to what you said, really is, you know, things will happen to me that will be that it, it reach, my, my initial reaction is, wow, that's a bad thing or what, you know, I, I, it's even small things that happen that are that, that are troubling or irritating. Almost always there's some benefit to it. And it's not making lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. It's, it's not that it's 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 something just sort of being present to what's happening and not making judgments about it necessarily, you know, feeling, and I guess it goes back to that, whatever, 
what do you say? God's plan or life's plan, the universe's plan for you and just accepting that part of it and dealing with what's there. Um, and uh, I, I think I, I don't know, just little things like I'll try to make this quick. Uh, I know we, I've got to, we got to jump here soon, but yeah, uh, I, someone, a drunk driver slammed, I parked my truck on the street outside. We're in a condominium in, near the central business district in Dallas. And someone intoxicated slammed into my truck last week. And I've been thinking about getting a new truck. I've got a bunch of miles on it, but it's great. It runs fine and all. And I'm kind of at the place in my life where material things don't matter that much to me. And I kind of like, I kind of gotten attached to this thing, you know, but anyway, so I slammed into my truck and, uh, and, um, it, and they, they, so now I've got, but now I'm going to get new re, new rear leaf springs and a new differential and the truck has a lot of mileage on it. So I'm thinking, and, and, and the other, the driver's insurance is paying for it. So, you know, what initially was a big irritation and a bad thing. I told my wife, you know, that rear end was probably going to go at some point in the next you know, year or so anyway. So maybe this is, you know, so it's little things like that, you know, you have to step back from it and you really look and see what really happened. And I think, you know, try not to judge things too much. I'm trying to move in more in that direction. Yet the the second phrase, if you will, that really had an impact on me, that kind of feels like this is what you're saying, is that life happens for us, not to us. And I, I didn't make that up. I heard it from Ed Milet, actually, when I interviewed him a couple of years ago. And that's another thing that's struck out for me, because when it's easy to look at that situation that you're speaking of and go, Oh my God, what has happened? I, you know, I mean, and all the thoughts that people think, but well, it ended up happening has, for you. <laughs> it, it was a blessing. The, there's a, we don't have time, but you know, probably one of the most, what I, at the time was something when I was around 30 years old, something occurred was what just blew up my whole life's dreams. And I thought my life, I'm, I really struggled, which is why I was with the psychiatrist. And, um, you know, but now today I can look back on that event and say it's probably the thing that is the single thing that's kind of put me where I am and is probably responsible for majority of the success I've had as an adult. And that at the time, you know, but it was the plan that I had, right? <laughs> yeah. Plan, yeah, the plan that I had created as a teenager and as a young adult was not going to be possible anymore. But what happened as hindsight now, and this is not making lemonade out of lemons was far greater than what I, anything I had imagined when I was younger. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Dr. Rankin, I know for, because of time we need to cut this off, but I, I'm so grateful for your time. I know you're a busy man. And, um, and I got to tell you, please plug, I, in the media kit that we create and send this out, all of your links will be there. But please let the audience know where they can find you and plug anything you want to promote. Well, thank you. And I let me say, I'm, I mean, applaud you for doing what you've done and and to 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 getting up, you know, taking control of your life and 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 really doing something very important and valuable right now. Because thank I you. think you know, providing a platform, and I think yeah, I hope I hope your audience continues to grow. You know, we need to reach people. And we need to try to influence people to help, as we were talking earlier, we've got to turn this thing around. We will. I think we so, will. too. Yeah, We will. With God's God help, you. we will. Yeah.
thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. I'd, I'd like that. I appreciate that. Thank you, Joshua. Take care. God bless. You too. God bless you. Right, bye-bye. Dr. Rankin, everybody. I really enjoyed that. I could have talked to him for hours. I <clears throat> I took a, a few notes because if I ever do get to have him back, I like I, just, I think I probably could do three or four shows with him. But anyway, you guys, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. And uh, I, again, I told you he was awesome. So you guys, I hope you enjoy. And um, be sure to check out the media kit on livemonoworldwide.org that we'll publish here in just a second. And um, you'll be able to check him out and see. I Actually, I was sitting here thinking to myself, too. Like, it's about time for me to get a coach. So I think I'm going to hire him as a coach. Yeah, I'm going to do that. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. See you soon.